This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Oh, Father, we thank you, God, we thank you for Christmas, such a special time where love, joy, and peace are shared and experienced. We pray for this afternoon as we engage with your word, that God, you will also grant us the love and joy and peace that the world looks for and God, you provide. So be with us and help us to engage with you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, Christmas is here. My question for you today is, what do you hope for this Christmas? What do you hope for this Christmas? Now, Christmas is a time where hope comes alive, especially so given that it's almost the end of the year, we're reminded to and desire to have a fresh hope, a fresh start in the coming new year. Now, for this Christmas, my son had this one hope. He hoped that his front teeth would drop out so that he could sing, All I want for Christmas is my tooth front thief. And he made it. This week, his teeth did drop out and he could sing it. I just don't think that will be your Christmas hope. So what is your Christmas hope this time of the year? What do you hope for as the year comes to an end, as a new year begins? I want you to pause for a moment and think about hope with me just for a while. As we go through life, hopes is everywhere. We have many hopes for us humans. Physically, some of us hope for better health, better life, lesser pain. Emotionally, we may hope for marriage, a marriage partner, a better marriage, to have people to love and to have people to love us back. We hope externally perhaps to have better career, to have progression in our work, to have success in life. Internally, we may hope to be more confident, to be less stressed out, to have better control, perhaps to, have a better, to be a better version of ourselves. Or in this big picture of hope, we may hope to leave a mark in the world or to have something good at the eulogy of ourselves. Here's this important thing about hope in life. Hope is what keeps a person going in times of darkness, in times of weariness, in times of crisis, in times of suffering. Hope is what brings a person up from um, depression, from pain, from broken relationships, from losses. Hope brings people up. Hope is what allows a person, a man or woman, even as their eyes grow dim, that they will still look forward. So what do you hope for this Christmas? What do you hope for in your life? If you've never thought about this question, today is a great time to think about hope. Because this afternoon, as we celebrate Christmas together, we come to this great topic of hope. I'd like to invite you today, just today, to visit two elderly saints of old uh, in history who will show us how their greatest hope is being fulfilled on Christmas. As they meet with baby Jesus, and amazingly, these two elderly people 
2,000 years back, as they look at Christmas as their hope, they look to us and say, and you should have this hope as well, whether we recognize it or not, because this hope ultimately overshadows all other hopes that we have. It's not that we, it's not good to have hope, we should have hope, but this hope, they will say, overshadows all the others, or binds all the other hopes together. So I invite you today to go back to the very first Christmas season. We'll not be visiting two murderous people, which we did last week. We'll be visiting two old people who have lived their life for this one hope. So I'd like to invite you to come in to this first Christmas, but just before you meet these two old um, not couple, but two elderlies, I would like you to first visit, have a visit at Jesus as a baby, to get to know him, to know some backgrounds, and then we will see how they merge together, and we talk about the faith that comes in. So if you have your bulletin, this is a good time to open it, and uh, if not, you can look at the screen as I read to you today's passage from Luke chapter 2, verse 21 to 24. Let me read this for us as you look at it with me. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angels had given him before he was conceived. When time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord, as it was written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, today's passage begins in a kind of weird place in our modern world, talking about this medical procedure of circumcision, though the focus really is on the naming of the child. Now, I want to think about circumcision, not in our time, but in their time, that thousands of years ago, perhaps even Today, for some, circumcision is a practice that's done on every Jewish baby boy on their eighth day. And when Jesus was being circumcised, there are three things that are significant about this Jewish practice. These three things come up. The first thing uh, is that as Jesus was circumcised, it was a public testimony, first of all, that he's a Jewish, he's a Jew, he was born a Jew. Second, he was born under the law of the people of the Jews. And third of all, he is being recognized for his genealogy, who he was from. And this is the important part because Jesus was born from the, the man called Abraham, which is the father of the Jews. Um, he's the man that all the Jews look to as the first father. And Jesus, as, as the genealogy goes on, Jesus was also a descendant of King David, the greatest king of the Jews. If you're familiar with David, He's the great man uh, in the Bible. If you're not familiar, you can remember Michelangelo, his famous white sculpture of the man with the perfect physique. Well, that's David that the Jews think about. So the connection between Jesus and then all this Jewish uh, history is actually very crucial to understand how God wants to offer you and me one of the greatest gifts of hope. So, the question we might ask first of all is, what is this gift that God wants to give that's so great? And the Bible will tell us the greatest gift that God wants to give is for us 
and Him to be reconciled, for us to finally be able to know God and for Him to finally acknowledge us, even calling us children. It's kind of a weird thing in our world, but this is what God promises. So in 60 seconds or a bit more, I want to run through four big events according to the Bible that describes the whole of humanity. So I just want to give you these four big events in, in, in history. And it, for a moment of time, it goes into the history of the Jews. But it's totally related to us thereafter. So I've got this big picture there um, for, for us. So just four events I want to share with you. That according to the Bible, what happens is, right at the beginning of all things, God, if you believe in God, God created everything. And He made humans to be with Him. So we get to be with God, we get to be in His image, we get to experience everything that should have been perfect. But not too long after the first humans, well, we call them Adam and Eve, they decide to say, God, thanks, no thanks, and they chose to rebel against God. And that's where the rest of our known history carries on, where God is there and we are here. We can never reach God and we can never be perfect or good enough to be him and to be with him and that's where the jewish history comes in where god spoke through history through law and through even prophets people who spoke on behalf of god for millenniums to say god says i will bring you back i'll find a way to bring you back to me and along the history of israel god began to describe there is one person who will come as a rescuer, as a savior, and he has a way to bring us to God because we can't get back to him. And that's where the story of Jesus comes in, that when he comes in as a Jew, it's not just because he uh, looks like a Jew or just happened to be a Jew, but God made it in such a way that when he comes and he fulfills all the things that for centuries has been spoken about this child, people start to recognize, is He the one that will save us? Is He the one that will bring us back to God? So here we have, in, in the Bible it tells us Jesus, in reality He is, he is God the Son. It sounds weird to you, but that's why the Bible says He is God. But He comes to us to offer us um, reconciliation with God. So He was born in flesh and blood, fully human, under God's written law, He reveals what it means to be a true, perfect human and in His way to bring us back to God. So there's this passage in the Bible called Galatians 4. It, it describes Jesus this way. Let me just read it to you as we look at it uh, shortly. This is what uh, the Bible says in regards to Jesus. He says this, But when the sad time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, to be called the children of God. Now, that's the big part. I, it's kind of, might be strange or foreign to some of us, or familiar, but that's where we carry on with our story. As Liu continues the story, he, he brings on a few other kind of strange things. He talks about the need of this thing called the purification rites, and the sacrifice of doves and two young pigeons. Now let me just bring you just a short while on this a little bit more. That for the Jews, there's this interesting practice. 
What the Jews do is this. If they have a boy, on the eighth day he'll be circumcised. On the 33rd day after that, the mother is supposed to purify herself and offer a lamb. And then to present the child to God, saying that this is someone that belongs to God. And, and most people, if you are rich enough, you will present a lamb. But someone who is very poor and can't afford, you present a pigeon. So in this story, as Mary went to the temple with plenty of people, as she presents pigeons, she's actually telling the world, and the world is looking at her and says, you know, this is a poor woman. And so, this is an interesting aspect of Christmas, because uh, as we think about your Christmas and my Christmas, I don't know how about yours, in the past few days, I've got too much food to eat, and, uh, and as we look at it, Christmas we, plan, we celebrate with plenty, we have often um, too much food, and we have plen- plenty of unwanted gifts, or unwanted weight that comes with the food. Um, but Jesus, when he was born, he came from a poor woman, with seemingly nothing, and as we read the story, uh, and I invite you to take one of the booklets of uh, Matthew, as you read the story of Jesus, he grew up as one who loves and cares for the poor. But more than just the physical poor, historically when he comes up, he starts to love and care for those who are spiritually poor, those who are spiritually bankrupt. Those who say, I wish I can know God, but I can't. And Jesus says, and I will help you. So there we have, as Mary comes in with this uh, event, and as they enter the temple, Jesus and the parents, that's where we start to meet these two elderly saints. So I invite you, as we see this emotional encounter together with me, look at Luke chapter 2, 25 to 38, that that page on your bulletin. Uh, Let me read to you the small letters 25, Uh, Numbers 25 onwards for a while. Now there was this man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arm and praised God. Now, this first elderly man that we are waiting to see, he finally appears in history. This man is called Simeon. He will be followed by an older woman called Anna. Now, we are told in this passage, if you are looking at it, Simeon is, 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 is an outstanding man of great character. It's, it's easy to find great men. It's not easy to find people with great character. And this man has great character. He was upright before people for decades. He was a man known to be devoted to God. He is also having to wait for this thing. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning that he's waiting for God to come and comfort people who need comfort. Well, we know nothing else about Simeon's life, but this is one thing he, we know. He is hoping that God will one day bring comfort to people who need comfort through the Messiah, or means the Christ, which is where the word Christmas comes in. And he will represent God to rescue and save people. So just briefly about this Christ, that he is the one who will fulfill all, he will fulfill all the checklists of all that the Bible has written, and he will be the one 
that will be strangely called a mighty God, an everlasting Father, a rescuer. So now, this is Simeon's hope. Simeon, he is hoping to see the Christ. And listen to this uh, as we see Simeon approaching Jesus. Just take this moment with me as we look at um, verse 25 to 28. Three times we are told that the Spirit of God was actually upon this man. The Spirit of God was upon this man. First, in verse 25, he was on him and this man lived for God. Not many... Many people in their time, perhaps in our time, we kind of have actually forgotten what it means to live for God. And in their time, many have forgotten what it means to live for God. So they tend to live a compromised life, a compromised life of momentary pleasure or comfort. They live a compromised life of perhaps bowing to the world. And even in, in their time, they live a compromised life of uh, worshipping God as kind of just a ritual, just a religion that you have to do every other week or so. But not Simeon. His hope is always waiting for God to reveal himself. And so this happens as you look on verse 26, 27, that the Holy Spirit of God or the God Spirit comes to Simeon and tells him this one thing. Simeon, one thing for you, that you will not die until you see the hope that the whole world has been waiting for. You will not die until you see this hope. And because of that, he clung on to his life and he kept hoping until verse 27 says, the moment finally arrives that Simeon, the man who has been hoping to see this Savior or this Christ, the day has come. So he, who goes to the temple very often, that very day, Perhaps he decides to put on his best, you know, wash up, get ready to the temple. I could, Im- I could imagine perhaps his eyes were wet with glitters of excitement and anticipation as he enters the temple to see this child. Now, I cannot forget one very emotional encounter I had, kind of. Uh, I was in Perth for many years, and uh, one of the jobs I, one of the things I do all the time is to go to the Perth International Airport. Because I, I always go there try to pick up some international students uh, and to send them home when they finish studying their universities. And you know, international students, they like to buy cheap tickets. So you always, I always end up at the weirdest time in the airport to see the weirdest people. Some of you are smiling because I picked you up before. Uh, there you go. So I was always there. So I'll either be reading a book or just people watch. Do you people watch? Uh, sometimes I'll people watch at the airport. I'll look at... Um, what are these people doing? What are they thinking? Who are they waiting for? I'll just do that all the time for years. So one day, there's this particular night, I'm not sure if it's night or early morning, but I was there. Usually I didn't bring a book, I was too tired to read a book, so I decided to people gaze. So I was looking at the usual men in black. You know who are the men in black? They have this golden name tags and they have this placard to say, Welcome, Mr. Whatever. So I'm like, often I can't read the names, but they were there waiting. There'll be others who are kind of children lying on the parents' lap trying to fall asleep. And then I was gazed, I saw this one man. He's kind of a Middle Eastern man. He doesn't look like he has reached Perth very long. He's kind of he himself looks a bit um, different. But he was standing there at the at the arrival gate, just staring at the gate. He he, he was dressed formally, very eastern looking, and in his hand was this blue. Helium balloon. 
it looks totally weird because he has such big beard and fierce look. And then he has got this little cute little balloon. And as the doors open, open and open, people comes out, you know, other people are just gazing along. His eyes did not move. He was just gazing, perhaps even staring at it. And I waited for a long time. My, my student came in, I had to leave. And as I leave, I look back at this man whose eyes did not flinch and just wonder, who was he waiting for? Was he waiting for a newborn that he has left with his wife in the Middle East and they are coming? What is he doing there? Why is he carrying that balloon with that kind of awkward look but serious longing and desire? You know, as we come to this um, story, uh, this account of Simeon, as he moved into the temple, he wasn't just kind of looking around, he was focused. In a busy time where everyone comes in and floods in, have you seen the temple in, in, in Israel? It's big, it's huge. Plenty of people comes in. And as he walks in, he spotted the one that he wants to see, and he went right to him. He went in, as the parents brought the kid, he went in, smiled at him, and took the child in his own arms. All his life has been waiting for this one Christ, this Christmas, and the day he sees it. Dear friends, do you, do you hope for peace? Do you hope for things that are unmoved by circumstances? Do you have a hope that you wish that when it's fulfilled, it will make nothing move? That is what Simeon has as he moves in. And he looks at this child and then he hopes on it. Let me read to you um, what he says um, as he looks at this child. Look at verse 29 with me. As he looks at this child, this old man says this, he looks up to heaven and says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. You know what is he literally saying? He's saying this, God, thank you for fulfilling your promise. I'm ready to die even today. It's kind of a statement that you don't always hear. But this is a man that says it, there's nothing more he actually wants the moment he saw this child. He doesn't even need to see the child growing up, but when he saw the child, he says, I'm ready to die because he was holding not just a baby, he was holding on to the promise that God has given for centuries, if not millennium. And he says this, you may now dismiss me. No, though he will not get to see what has happened, what's going to happen, Simeon goes on further to actually describes what this Christ of this Christmas is going to do. Let me just read this for us. He says this in verse 30. Look at it with me. I'm ready to die because my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, that is everyone, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. What are you saying? You know, last week I managed to grab a morning to bring my kids to go fishing at Budok Jetty. So my son is seven. I woke him up at five o'clock. He just jumped out of bed, brushed his teeth. No, he didn't brush his teeth. Whoops. Uh, he, just, he just went off together with me. So I was preparing the fish tackles and he carried his small little bag and he went to his bed, took out a small little night light. This really small, doesn't do much light. And he says, 
Dad, we need to bring this. Because it's dark out there and we might hurt ourselves with the hooks. Now we tend to hurt ourselves in darkness, isn't it? But as we arrived, so we brought him, we went together. As we arrived at Budok Jetty, the, the dawn just begins to arrive. And the light just starts to beam out. You see, that's Budok Jetty. But I didn't take that photo. Um, the dark sky slowly peels away and the glow of the sun peers into the horizon. And me and Jonathan, as we walk there, we're assured, without having to wait further, that we do not need the lamp anymore because it just gets brighter and brighter. In fact, my son just pointed at the cloud and says, Dad, look at the clouds. They are glowing. This is what Simeon says as you look at verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. Now, all Simeon's greatest hope is not better health, it's not rich, Riches, it's not longer life, it's not even achievement. His greatest hope is to see God's salvation arrive as a light shines in darkness. Now a child, this child will bring light to the darkness that blinded us from our true condition. You know, humans, we are good at being conditioned. You know, if we start to gain weight a little bit, we start to feel a bit uncomfortable, but we slowly get used to the, the weight and we, we, we kind of exercise, we feel tired, but after a while we get used to the run. You know, we humans, after all this time, we get used to darkness. We're used to the idea that truth and judgment, perhaps they are relative. We get used to the notion that pain and death are natural. But it wasn't meant to be. Because... In the beginning, it is not meant to be this way. And this child is meant to come in to bring light to show us that pain and death are not natural. And he came to deal with the issue of sin, of pain, of suffering and of death. In fact, of eternal death. And the darkness of the Gentile world, which is us, is being taken away at the arrival of Christmas. So Simeon, as he sees this baby, Jesus in fact, he prevailed over death and he says, you know, death has nothing to take away from me now. And perhaps it's the first guy who will say, family, when I die, put this big tombstone that says R.I.P. to kind of rest in peace because peace can't be taken away by death. The big question we come as we have journeyed, if you have journeyed with me up to now is this big question, how does this baby that will grow up, actually rescue us from darkness, from sin, from pain, even death. How does he do it? What is the way to do it? Look at verse 33 onwards with me and you will find the answer there. Look at verse 33 of your bulletin. Um, or I might have put it up on the screen. But let me read this for us. The child's father and mother, they, they marvel at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul. It's a bit strange in his writing, but let me think of it together. Look at it with me and see whether how I explain it is correct. Now, as Joseph and Mary, they start to soak in a little bit of what this child they're going to raise with, uh, with carpenter, a young mother, Poor people, how are they going to raise him up and who will be? Simeon turned to them and blessed them and then he looked at the mother 
and prophesied what will now be history that we know happens when Jesus turned 33. This 33 years after. But this is the story of Jesus in 15 seconds. That Jesus, he entered his ministry at about 30 years old. He declared the great news of God's offer of salvation. Divisions broke out in Israel. People who do not want the light, they will hate and gnash their teeth against Jesus and they'll cling on to sin. And those who want, has been hoping for God, they will embrace Jesus and turn to Him. And Simeon says, He will become a sign. You know what Jesus says and done, recorded in the Bible? This becomes a sign to people. It's a sign of warning, it's also a sign of hope. So there Jesus has. And then Simeon went on that at the end of Jesus' ministry, those who hug their sins and gnash their teeth at Jesus, they'll do the thing that will hurt Mary most. What they'll do will be like a sword that pierces into the heart of mother. And this is what happened in history, as you read in the Gospel, that at Jesus at 33, he died on the cross as an innocent man for the sins of the world, that as people gnashed their teeth at him, his mother looked up at him, hung on the cross with this word, King of the Jews, as a mockery on him. His mother's heart was pierced, and the soul was pierced like a sword that was plunged in him as she looked at this son, as she remembers the words of Simeon 33 years before that event. But that was what Simeon was saying. And in so doing, Jesus fulfilled the whole history that God has given, that he will die for your sin, you will swap place with him, so that we can be children of God, and he will face death for all that we have done. So now as you kind of stand with me looking at Simeon, listen to him, in come this another lady, very old lady, a prophetess, to affirm Simeon's word, and her name is Anna. Look at verse 36 with me. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel, just to tell you that it's historical, of the tribe of Asher. And so look at verse 38. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about her child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So if you look, just look at the passage itself. Anna, she is also an elderly, like Simeon. She was a devoted, upright woman. She was a widow. Her husband died. She didn't marry for many, many years until the 80s. All along, she stayed in the temple, praying for people, looking to God, waiting for the day. And this day, she too saw the Messiah. And her response was excitement. And she spoke to all who are waiting for this Messiah, about Jesus, to all who are willing to listen. She tells about Jesus. In fact, she's probably the oldest evangelist in the temple of that time. So there we have it. As I kind of brought you all to the two ladies, uh, two, two elderly, I want to invite us now to come back to where you and I are sitting right at this moment. Let's come back to today, and I want to ask this question again. What is your greatest hope? What is my greatest hope this Christmas? There are plenty of ways we can try to achieve our many hopes. Think of all your hopes. There are many ways we do it. Sometimes we buy our hopes, no shopping. Cooler shopping here. Shopping is another way of saying buying hope. As you buy a new furniture, as you buy a new car, as you buy the new clothes, as you buy those 
face whitening cream, as you buy a perfume, as you buy things, you're actually buying hope. As we work hard, we work for our hopes. We spend hours in our workplace. We, we spend time with our children. We spend our life investing in things. We are working for hope. And all these things are great. But at the same time, all these things, in buying them or in working for them, we are hoping that through them, life gets better. That we get a little bit better than when we were before. And perhaps, if we work really hard, we can leave a mark, perhaps for our children, for perhaps in the world. These are all great stuff that God has given us. But the problem comes when all these great hopes becomes our greatest hope. It, in some sense, starts to camouflage what we really need to hope for in life our need to be reconnected to God. The God that we have forgotten. The God that we have turned away. All this great hope we have, it would be a sad thing if we missed out the greatest need to reconnect back to the one who has made us and the one who can save us. Because at the end of the day, He is the one who is eternal. We are the ones who are kind of temporal, fleeting. That's the longest life we have. 80, 90, 100 He's the one who judged the world. We are the one who will be judged. He's the one who has the solution to sin. And we are the ones who have to deal with our sins. Do our hopes, do our hope, do our hopelessness obscure the greatest hope that we actually need to think about and to have in our lifetime? Now, both Simeon and Anna, these two old Jewish um, Elderlies, they have the same hope. Their hope is for God to come, take away sin and judgment, and to give comfort and relationship. Their greatest hope is that God will be the one who rule perfectly for us to enjoy. And that God will, that there will not be a time where the devil, the world, and our own sinfulness rule or perhaps ruin us as we live our lives. Their greatest hope is to enable them to face death with peace and with glory and brightness. That death doesn't bring darkness to them, but death helps them to finish their race. You know, as I come to a close, as we come to a close, I'd like to just share with you an article that I read recently by a pastor from called Matt from Trinity Nashville, Tanzania. Um, something he wrote about Christmas experience that struck me because it's so true but yet so easily missed out. Let me read this. I put it up there, but let me read as I kind of close for us. He says this, In my experience, if you click on holiday favorite playlist, which I do all the time, you're asking for mental and emotional whiplash. With little warning or no exception, you'll jump back and forth from rocking around the Christmas tree to silent night. From blue Christmas to joy to the world, grandma ran over by a reindeer, to lower how rose ever blooming. And then Matt points this out. But I do wonder if you have noticed one particular difference between old Christmas carols and more recent songs. The old songs often refer to death. The new, new ones rarely do. If you look at the old Christmas songs, they always talk about death. Whether it's about two front teeth or be nice because Santa is coming, 
most popular songs on Christmas sung, are sung to make us kind of feel good, feel jovial, feel kind of fuzzy and warm in us, but they carry very little promise of true hope. But here are what some of the old carols reminds us of. It's about dealing with death and gaining eternal life. Just now you sang, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and this is what it says in the middle that you sang. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Do you realize you sang that just now? And the closing song we'll sing after this is, O come, O come, Emmanuel. You hear that everywhere? Shopping centers, homes, and this is what it says in one stanza. From depths of hell, your people save and give them victory over the grave. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. My friends, what is your hope for Christmas? What is your greatest hope in life? I hope these two are the same. And I pray they are same as what Anna and Simeon hope for. I pray that yours and my greatest hope is to be rescued from sin, that sin is dealt with, grave is dealt with, hell is soft, forgiveness of our sin, and that we can be reconciled and connected back to God. We can know Him again. If this is your greatest hope, I pray that um, then this great hope has come this Christmas. But if this is not yet yours, I invite you to read the Gospel account, read Matthew, read somebody, Mark, or just think about it kind of engage with it, check its historical authenticity, work through it, so that Christmas, you know exactly what you are celebrating and what you will choose to accept or reject. So with that, let me close this time by speaking to God and um, to pray and invite you to uh, pray with me. And I do pray that God will bless all of us this Christmas. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the greatest hope of Christmas that is not just finding fulfillment that lasts for a short while, but fulfillment that will last forever. This Christmas, help us to understand the great news that you have already kept your promise to deal with sin, to deal with eternal death. You sent Jesus, born on Christmas, to die on the cross for us, to exalt all, to exhaust all judgment we shall face because all wrongs that we've done have been paid for. So today we pray that you help us to wrestle with Christmas in a way that is logical, in a way that deals with history, in a way that deals with our own personal life. That Christmas may be a day of joy, of hope, of peace, and most of all, of reconciliation with you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.